Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Before I get into my message, though, I would like to uh, uh, reaffirm some of the things that was uh, said in our announcements about about ministry, about being a part of the church, about uh, operating, giving yourself to different types of ministries. And and look here at here at Harvest Ridge, we've got ministry, and and, and I'm going to go into something here in a minute. But we've got ministries that 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 it doesn't take your whole life. Matter of fact, we have some ministries that you only serve one day a year. Then we have some ministries you only serve one week a year. And then there are other ministries, of course, that take a, a more lengthy commitment. But, but we have all kinds of ministries. We have uh, work times where, where we just police the grounds and clean up things and stuff like that a day or two. And, and, but you can all be involved. And... and uh, being involved in ministry with Christ, we say, boy, that sounds good, and, and I would enjoy, I think, ministering and trying to bless somebody else. But how many people have, have worked in a volunteer ministry the past year in this church? Let me see your Look at the hands. Now, let me ask you another question. Was it all the blessing that you gave, or was a lot of it the blessing that you received because you gave yourself to ministry? How did that work for you? Okay, so, so pastor asked me if, if I would kind of uh, extend a little bit about, uh, matter of fact, we had a, a, a little lunch sometime about, I don't know, six weeks ago or, or more. And, and anyway, we were sharing and, and I in my car, I just happened to have a, a bio that was written by the uh, um, uh, in in Cleveland by the uh, uh, the, the work ministries uh, uh, that they have a ministry in there that they they share and they they read this bio and and when it was through right at the bottom it said and how this man is going to tell you how this was accomplished with no formal education. How did that happen? How did he do that? And so pastor said, would you share at least one situation with my church and encourage them to, to become involved? And so here we go. One day my wife and I was looking at the newspaper and we was looking at the little ads. You know, the little ads in the back, you know, work and, and stuff. And in there was a little ad that read something like this. If you don't have a home church and you're seeking God and want a deeper spiritual experience, would you come and join us and see what you think? It was worded something like that. Anyway, we finally decided that, all right, we'll go. So we went. And when I do something like this, I'm very quiet for the first two or three times I go. But you can ask the home group. I'm not quite as quiet after I once am there a little bit. But anyway, I was very quiet. And what I'm doing, I'm looking. And I'm trying to sense. And they had a wonderful worship time. 
two or three people played instruments, beautiful, and they sang and they worshiped and they had a good fellowship time and everything. When it come to the word of God, they, they read two or three scriptures and then two or three people, according to whatever they understood, would make some comments about it. And I thought, uh-huh. But there was no direction. There was nothing that, was, that, that, was, that they could build on that would work. And so the next time I went, they read the scriptures, and I started to, to expand on them. And what I would do, I, I, I told what the scriptures and where they was from and what was going on at the time and why it was there and why the, these scriptures were so important and, and what the spirit and the intent was in the direction of it. Well, this only happened three times. The fourth time I went there, they said, John, would you consider putting together a little sermonette for us each week? Sure. So, long story short, one year later, one year from the day that we started, that house was full. Three rooms with chairs everywhere they could put them was filled, and that house was filled with people. And God said, I want you to talk about, guess what? Water baptism. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So I did a teaching on water baptism and so on. And when I finished, when I finished, half of that house stood up and said, we want to be baptized now. I went, okay. So I went downtown Lorraine and I knew a Spanish speaking pastor down there and had a nice little church and a nice baptistry. And so... He said, sure, you can use my church, John, anytime you want, just as long as we're not having a service. So we got there. I preached my little thing. Three Spanish people got saved. Well, I baptized that night 17 people. Now, out, well, wait a minute. Out of that group of 17 people, three became the first deacons ever, the first deacons ever in a place called Christian assembly in Lorraine. Now the foundation of that group became its first congregation. You might know that church now as church on the north coast. That was the church that started out of a little prayer meeting and, and so on. Hey, guess what? I've done that five times. Uh, you say, well, well, how did all that happen? You, and you might say, well, you're, you're, you know, you, you've got the training and you've got all this and that. Can I share something with you? You, you, you won't believe this. When I first come up to Lorraine, it was in the, in the early 60s. And, and this first thing happened in si about 65. Do you know that I put two churches together before I even knew you were supposed to be licensed or ordained? <laughs> and so, and so he... Well, they finally told me, I, and I did, I, I went and got licensed because I guess that was the right thing to do. I, I, I don't know. But, but listen, here's the secret. The secret of, of ministry is, is looking around, finding a place of need, and then making yourself available. You know what? I preached over two-thirds of the, in, of the United States. I've even written position papers for for uh, churches on their spiritual stands. I've helped them write them. I, I put these churches together, and, and guess what? G guess what? 
Never, ever once have I advertised my ministry. Never, ever once did I ask any church for an opportunity to preach. Never. They came to me. I didn't go to them. All you have to do is make yourself available and God will make a place for you. And it's all about giving. It's all about seeing. It's all about saying, hey, man, I didn't realize that's the way it went. And so I'm encouraging you. Could, Could I just say a little prayer before I get into my message about service and about volunteering? Let me do that. Father, in the name of Christ, I just thank you today that this is a church that opens its doors to anyone that wants to work and wants to minister. And there's so many things that we can do here. Lord, would you just speak to hearts maybe that's just uh, out there and say, well, I was considering it or something. God, would you just move upon them to, to, to be a working person in this church? Father, that you can bless them in ways that they can't even imagine because the, the fruits and the work of ministry is payable by the Holy Spirit and by the living God. He will pay. He will, he will make it worth your while, believe me. Oh, it won't probably be money or something like that, but he will make it worthy. He'll bless your life. He'll bless your family. He'll move in, in things that never moved before. Ministry is a whole different avenue of service before God. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. I'm going to get into a a little message today, and um, we were talking about the cross, so guys, don't get confused. I'll tell you when when we're going to get there, Uh, all right? And and my message is, is, is this. You have to come out before you can go in. Uh, Let's talk a little bit uh, about the cross. You know, in Hebrews 12, it makes a statement that for a long time I was confused about. It says, and for the joy that was set before him. I'm going, what? The cross was joy? It it was, you know what the word, this word that was translated joy means? It means to be cheerful, calm delight. It means gladness, exceeding joy, uh, to be well, to be glad, Godspeed, to rejoice. But then it says, He endured the cross and bore the shame. And I'm I'm going, wait, wait a minute. How can you be so full of joy and despise the thing at the same time? How is that possible? How can you do that? Listen, to endure means to stay under, to undergo or bear trials, to persevere, to suffer, to be left behind. It means to think against opposition to, to intensify, to increase, or to exercise the mind. The shame of it all means disgrace, dishonestly, disfigurement, to be ashamed, abusive, degrading, and humiliating. Wow. Gee, it seems like there's two different stories in in the same thing. How how can you be so full of joy and at the same time be under that kind of a a thing? All right, now, now remember... We'll get back to the cross, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that for a little bit. But keep this in mind. You have to come out before you can go in. Okay? I'm going to say that till you get tired of it. So, so here we go. In the process, let's look at Matthew 25. At midnight, 
the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out. Here we go. Coming out. Come out to meet him. Okay. Let's look at verse 10 now. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were, what were they? Ready. Went in. in. I thought they just came out. Now, what were they doing? Coming out or going in? Okay, let's look. Went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Does that sound familiar? Wasn't there a guy named Noah that built an ark, and when all the animals or whatever was supposed to be on that ark, and, and his family and so on, was all in the ark, God was ready to pour out his judgment, and what happened to the door of the ark? It was shut. That's it. That's all. And everybody's looking at this. Does that mean, well, there was 10 virgins. Does that mean that 50% of the church is going to make it and 50% isn't? No, this, this is a parable. It's a parable to make a point and to, to, so we can understand how God operates. God operates by divine principle. Now, in this principle, he will tweak it according to the situation or the persons involved, or where they're at. God always deals with a person where they're at, not what their potential is, but where they are at at the time. And so here, this is not about people. Well, it is about people, but it's about the lamps. This is about the lamps. How many of you have ever seen an oil lamp? Have you ever seen it? Uh, they operate? Good. Okay. So we have an oil lamp, and the oil lamp has to be maintained. It has to have so much oil in it. The wick has to be so high in it to get the type of enlightenment that will make the lamp be as productive as it possibly can be. And, but what happens if the oil in the lamp begins to wane, and it goes down, and it gets too low, and the, the oil was no more feeding the wick? What burns? The wick. The wick starts burning. The wick is the you, is the real you, is the person of you. And you, that starts burning. Well, it can only burn so much and it turns black and hard. And it will no longer accept the oil. And the lamp goes out. And it has to be reworked. And how about the globe? The globe once in a while has to be polished if that light is going to, to be as productive as it possibly can. And so here we have this situation. That's why the Word of God keeps telling us to be continually filled with the Spirit. Be continually filled. Not one time, not five times, but day after day after day. God gave us the pattern. He said, His mercies and graces are new. How often? Every morning. We, he expects us to fill our lamp every morning and get ready. Because God's got something for us to do. Now, we may get back to this just a, a little bit later on. But, but let's just for a minute talk about the cross and enduring it. Remember, when Jesus said, it is finished, the cross became transparent. And he somehow seen beyond it. Now, we're going to get back there.
I'm just going to leave you there for a minute. Let's go to the very first instance of coming out and going in. And this is going to be in a place called, called creation. And it's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What, what, what was wrong here? In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. But something was wrong. Something was very wrong. The, the earth had no form. And it was void. And darkness was up on the face of the deep. And it was complete, total chaos. Nothing could be accomplished with anything like that. And so, looking at this creation of the earth and God's beginning, God took a look at that and he says, I know what I see, but I also know what I got to do. And so, God began a, began a process. It was total, complete chaos. And for God to do anything with that, he had to bring that creation and that earth out of chaos. Now, I, I, I want to tell you something. The process of coming out is always longer and, and more um, intense than going in. The coming out is always the, the hardest part. And so, God took four complete days of creation. And I don't, you can look at creation however you want. But it, in the Bible, it says four days of creation all right, let me, let me challenge you just a hair. Please don't go out and say I said this. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So was each day there here a thousand years? Oh, no, you're not going to put me there. I'm not going there. It's, it's however you want to look at it, and I'm okay with it. But whatever it was, God took four complete total days of creation to bring chaos into divine order so he could create life. What do you think he does with you? Sure, you're just a creator. Hey, you, you know what? We used to say, come on, people, realize who you are. When we started out, we was just dirt. So, <laughs> so maybe that's it. I don't know. But anyway, here, here, here was the, the creation. It was, it was a waste. It was desolation. It was a desert. It was worthless. It was all in vain. Confusion. It was nothing. And it was void. It was empty. It was a vacuum. Undistinguishable. It was in ruin. And darkness was there. Ministry, uh, misery. Destruction. Death. Ignorance. Sorrow. Wickedness. Obscurity. Everything that works death was there. And so God had to change all the there. And he brought the earth out. And he made it so it would begin to sustain life. You know, there was only two, two days of creation of actual life. That's it. But he had to do this process. You have to come out before you can go in. Okay? I'm just I'm going to keep doing that. Let's go to another one. How about, um, how about Exodus 3.8? Somebody get, uh, there it is. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians 
and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. In one translation, it says to bring them into a land of milk and honey. Well, if we would go back clean to the time of, of um, Joseph, sold as a slave down in Egypt, his brothers deceived him. He was down there. Finally, there was a famine in the land. Joseph sends for his family and his father and his brothers, and they come down. And, and they were starving to death. And he says, take the bags of grain and give it to, to my brothers. And they did. And he looked at him and said, you don't know who I am, do you? I'm the guy you throwed in the pit. Here in Egypt, they never left. Him and his family never left. They stayed there. Matter of fact, they stayed there for 400 years. They stayed in the land of Egypt. And they multiplied and they grew. And matter of fact, according to the scriptures, somewhere around 2 million people were born in Egypt of the Jews, of the Israelites. Let's call them the Israelites. They weren't Jews yet. So the Israelites. So in that habitation, they grow to 2 million. And Pharaoh says, whoa, wait a minute. They're getting too big. They're getting too strong. They're going to come against me. And the only way I can control them, I got to make them slaves. And so he made them slaves. He, be, he became their taskmasters, which means under the obligation of control. They were in chains. The habits and the, and the sexual, sexual addictions. They were in prisons of the pleasures and sin of Egypt. They were in slavery, the world system that was uh, to destroy them. The humiliation of life, home, and marriages. And the embarrassments of mental and emotional problems. The, the abuse of all kinds, physical and sexual. And the offenses which brought unto the Israelites condemnation. And they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to handle it. And where to go? But God said, okay. They begin to cry out and, and, and beg God for forgiveness. They said, God, if, if there's anything you can do, would you help us? Hooray for Moses. <laughs> so we got, we, got a, we got a person that God is going to speak to, that God is going to come down. All right? Now, I, I want you to, to, to see this and, and, and kind of understand. For them to break this hold... And for them to be free, guess what? They had to leave. They had to get out. They had to get out. Do you think Pharaoh said, well, okay, if you want out, just, just get out of here. No. He said, you're not going nowhere. You're our slaves. We need your, your workability. We need everything that you have. I'm building my kingdom on your backs. You're not going anywhere. But eventually... Eventually, they left. Now, I, that's another story for another time how that actually came to pass. But they left. So they went into a place called the wilderness, for a better terminology. And in the wilderness, they begin to move. Uh, I don't know if any of you know, but do you know that the promised land was only weeks away from Egypt? So why in the world did it take them 40 years to get there? Think about it. 40 years going around and around and around and around. You know what was the problem? It, it, when they come to the 
the sea, they had an issue. It was in chapter, what, what about chapter 15, they got thirsty. And they begin to, reclaim, to complain and murmur and rile against God. You, you, what'd you do? You, 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 Moses, you brought us out here in the wilderness just to kill us. What's the matter with you? And then it was in chapter 16. They got hungry. And God had to do something about that. And then we get to chapter 17. And here they got it. God said, let's try this again. No water. Thirsty. Remember, Moses hit the rock one too many times. You remember the story? Well, here it goes. And, and only this time, they were going to stone Moses. They was going to kill him. And the scriptures say, why, why did you, are you thinking that? I thought you were being led by the pillar of fire by night and by the cloud by day. God was guiding them and God was leading them, not Moses. All Moses was doing was be obedient. He said, oh, there, there goes the cloud. Come on, everybody pack up. We got to go. Well, here was this whole situation. Here was this old attitude. Here was this old nature. Here was this old way of living. He's, and, and they begin to cry out, Moses, you're an idiot. At least when we was back in Egypt, we had onions and ramps to eat. Here we got nothing. Well, God supplied. Do you, are you beginning to see a picture? God could not allow a people like that to go into the promised land to build the kingdom of God for eternity. That could not happen. Two million people came out of Egypt. Do you have any idea how many people that came out of Egypt went into the promised land? Remember, two million come out. You know what I said in the first service? I said zero, except two old grandpas. Caleb and Joshua was the only two that went into the promised land. What is this a type of? It's a type of the old nature. The old person had to die in the wilderness. And that's where God gets rid of our old nature in the wilderness. So we can come into the glory and the power and the blessing of our God Almighty. We have to come out before we go in. And, and, and here's where we get sort of... Uh, uh, where do I want to go with this? How about Ephesians 4.22? Let's try that. Are we there? Ah, you were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put what? Off your old self, which is being corrupt by its ceaseful desires. You were taught to put it off. You were taught you have to come out. You cannot do what God needs for you to do if you don't. Okay, so what happens is, we forget the first part. And the first part is we got to put off. The second part is we have to put on. But first we got to put off. And we get impatient with this putting off deal because remember what I told you? The putting off or the coming out is always the most strenuous and the longest part. Yeah, we, we get tired of that. So what we try to do is we try to put on the new man right away. Oh, we're going to act like a Christian. We're going to do good works and we're going we're gonna to be able to do all of this and that. And what we end up is being a people that look right, that speak right, 
that act right, that think right, that worship right, to do ministry right, but we, what we've done is we've just looked like it. We look like we're living right. We look like we're doing right. We look like we're being right. But what we've done is we've taken the new nature and tried to put him on before we got the old nature off. Listen, the new nature is not a cover-up. It's not to cover up the, that old nature. That's not what it's for. The, it, it said put off among you. Put off uh, uh, being, being abstinence. Put away, to push off. It means to get rid of, to distance from, to take off. But to put on is in the context with the connection or activity or unity, ground of action or opinion, having good authority. And so what happens is we got to put off the old life before we can put on the new. Let, let me ask you something. In, in this measure of putting it off, and, and I'll probably say a little bit more about this in just a minute. Uh, if Jesus Christ was to come to our house tomorrow and he'd come about four o'clock or five o'clock and he rung our doorbell and we opened the door and this individual stood there and says, hi, I'm Jesus Christ, your savior, and I've come to fellowship with you for a couple hours. Would you be one of those people that would have to say, uh-oh, Wait a minute, Lord. I'm going to let you in, but you have to wait just a minute, and you close the door. And you run over, and you change the television channel. Oh, God, I can't let him see this. And we have to take a bunch of magazines or books that we've been kind of looking at, and we have to run in the bedroom and stick them under the bed because we'd be so ashamed if our Lord and Savior seen that. Would we have to clean up our house? You know what would be a good idea? To clean it up before he comes. That would be a great idea. Then we wouldn't be embarrassed and then we wouldn't. And that's, that's what I mean by coming out. You have to come all the way out. Is it going to be perfection? No. And we'll get into that just in a minute. Um, and so uh, this blessing of putting off the old self and finding if we could just concentrate on that as much as we try to put on the new self you'd find the new self fits a whole lot better if we got rid of most of the old self the new self fits way better and it functions better and it operates better and it's more powerful and it can do more things and you say well that's easy for you to say well not only for the example I just used we need to clean our house and clean our home uh, oh dear we're getting there all right, but you know what? P please indulge me just for one minute. L let me read the book of Titus, and, and I'll close. I, I, I know you, you guys don't have it back there, but listen to this. You know, we need places in our life that we can point to that mean something, right? Like water baptism. You know, in our life, there's a reason for water baptism. Sure, it's an open testimony of what God has done in our life, but there's something more involved here. It says, our old man has been nailed to the cross with Christ. And by faith, we bury him in the waters of baptism, that when we rise, we rise to walk a new life. Now, that, that old nature hates that. He don't want to stay there. And so he wants out. So 
Here, here, I'm going to give you a little formula. Whenever you come into temptation and so on, I want you to walk up, maybe look in the mirror and say, look here, old nature. You were crucified with Christ and you're dead. And in the waters of baptism, I buried you. And your power and your authority over me has been broken. And I'm free. Now let me alone. Let me alone. Let me, let, let me read to you Titus and I'll close with this. For the grace of our God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And what does it do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passion, and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. You know, our problem is we still haven't learned how to say no. When temptation comes, it's no. It's not, well, I'll try. Well, I'll do my best. Well, maybe if I can make no. That's not the way it flows. That's not the way it flows. Could I have the altar workers come? I'd like to make an invitation for you today. You've just heard you have to put off the old before you can put on the new. And if there are those out there that's struggling with life, that's struggling with relationships, that's struggling in your marriage, that's struggling in your life and, 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 and you, just, you just need a push just to get free, I'm a, I would invite you Come to the, come up. You don't have to name everything that's involved in it. Just say, hey, I've made this decision. I'm going to, I'm going to overcome that old nature. I'm going to overcome this thing. I want to be what Christ has intended me to be. And I want to be it now. I'm just going to invite you to come forward and let these people pray for you. In the name of Christ, Lord, would you just speak to hearts? God, would you draw out those people that are struggling, those people that, Lord, are, are just, they're fighting the battle. They're just almost there. God, would you just bring forth, bring them forth and let them make an open commitment that this is it. This is it. Would you just, everybody, would you just stand and, and those that need to, would you just come to the elders now? Would you just come? Let, let's settle this. Let's get free. Let's be what God needs to do. Let's make our lamp the brightest thing that it can be.